And good morning, everyone, and welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd. Pleased to be with you here with you on Triple H 100.1 FM again for another fabulous Tuesday full of lots of interesting top tips, strategies, and small business journeys. Now, today, uh, we're going to be joined by Erica Armstrong, who is a local tattoo artist and also a business owner. And what we're going to be covering today later on in the show is going to be all about what it's like to run a small business when compliance really is against you. Now, we might say on a number of occasions here on Small Biz that it's hard to run a business and there's so many hoops you have to jump through and so much red tape and difficult aspects and it's so hard to employ people and do your bass and all that paperwork but after today's story, I think you're going to really find that uh, it's it's a different kettle of fish for people in different industries. And I wanted to highlight Erica's story, not only because it's an incredible story of resilience and being able to survive under such circumstances, but more she's a huge advocate for change. And I think that all of us here on uh, Small Biz Matters can learn a lot from her and, and the journey that she's been on. So the plan for today is a little bit different. We're not expecting her in until 9.30 on the show. So she'll be in the studio live at 9.30 today. It is now about 10 past nine for those of you listening. So what we might do is just switch it around a little bit. We're going to listen to a few other bits and pieces. We're going to listen to some... um, I actually wanted to draw your attention to a wonderful uh, event that I went to in the um, city a few weeks ago, which was the launch of the Small Business Party. Now, this is super exciting. I have talked about this before, but I wanted to highlight it a little bit more today. Angela Vitkoulis is a Sydney of City councillor, an independent, has been running under the independent banner for a number of years. And the reason why she was drawn to political ambition, for want of a better word, is because of the state of uh, the situation that her business was in. She is based on North Sydney. She runs Vivo Cafe, which has unfortunately since this event closed down. There's only one reason why this place is closed down. It's not because it wasn't a hugely successfully family-run business. It wasn't because it had lots and lots of people coming and having coffee in a fantastic central Sydney location with people having meetings and catch-ups and networking events. It wasn't because it was ridiculously well-known. It's simply because the state government decided to put in a light rail up George Street. Now, people who live in Sydney will know that if you go into the city, it's ever-changing. There's always things going on. But I have never seen, in my whole life of living in Sydney, I've never seen such a, a ridiculous debacle of a of a, a construction site. It seems to be going on forever and nothing changes. I mean, I don't go into the city all the time. Those who love me know that I live up in Hornsby and I'm not a fan of heading into the city if I can avoid it. So it's probably every few months that I go in there. And I do make a point of going to Angela's Cafe, as I said, because it's got great coffee and it's a great place to meet. And she's, of course, a very fabulous business owner and makes you feel very welcome. But nothing changed. It was almost hilarious. Every time I would head there, there would be uh, a new, maybe just a new, I don't know, several bits of construction material might have moved slightly in the time between when I went there and then a few months later when I went back. But literally nothing changed. And it certainly never got completed in the two years that she'd been going through this. She has, uh, she has fought, she has taken the planning minister um, to task, she is fighting for small businesses in that area. But it seems to me that, like in a lot of bad government decisions, they wait for the advocacy groups and those with loud voices to sit down. 
and then they just get on with whatever the hell they were wanting to do. It's as though they say, we've just got to get through this bad, bad news cycle and move on and hope that the other people move on and finish the task that we started. However ridiculously over budget it is over time and the impact that it has on small businesses and people living in that community. The George Street debacle for want of a better word, there is no better word, it is just a debacle, is a classic example of this. The small businesses, as, as Angela has written several times over and over, there are family businesses that have been there for decades that have been forced to shut down and all that happens is the big wigs, the big names who can afford to pay 12 months worth of rent and not make a single cent so that they can have that absolutely fabulous real estate, they move in they're not going to argue with the government. They understand what's going on, but it's not going to have any impact on them because they're a multinational company that can afford to have zero sales for 12 months simply so that they can have that spot on George Street, Sydney. Meanwhile, we lose lots of fabulously small businesses that have been there for a long time that give us the culture and the vibrancy that we are looking for in, in, in differing areas of Sydney. And unfortunately for Angela and her family, she has been forced to move the cafe. They are moving to another location in the city. Uh, being a successful business owner, of course, she is aware of what was going on, and but she fought it. Um, and she wasn't just fighting for herself, she was also fighting with a class action against the state government for all of those businesses who had, who had lost probably collectively millions of dollars in the time that it took them to build this debacle. So I wanted to tell you her story this morning just to share that with you for those of you who aren't aware of it, aren't aware of her. I encourage you to join the Small Business Party. It's free to join. Maybe my small business listeners out there might think that it's, that it's something that, uh, that interests them, that it's uh, something that actually is a political party that they can believe in, that has the same sort of values that they do. I can promise you that Angela certainly has the same values that we do here on Small Biz Matters, and I'm proud to be associated with her. It's not just about money, of course, that does help with political parties, but they're obviously looking for volunteers, they're looking for people to represent, they're looking for people to, you know, fly the flag of small business because the other political parties have essentially failed us. Now, at this launch, which was um, back on the 27th of uh, June, um, I interviewed a number of people who are quite well known in various industries because, of course, when you're in small business, you're across the board with all the industries. And they were proud to be associated with Angela too. I wanted to share with you today a little bit of what we uh, we spoke about and, and what her party was all about and what the launch was about too. So here's a little bit about um, those interviews and the launch itself. Um, and uh, I, I look forward to your response and telling me what you think. And hopefully you can head to their LinkedIn page and their website and, and join. This is Alexi Boyd from Small Biz Matters reporting to you directly from the special launch of the Small Business Party here in George Street, Sydney at the fabulous Vivo Cafe. And we've been invited by uh, the local councillor, Angela Vitkoulis, who's of course been advocating and beating the drum for small business for quite some time now, mainly in the light of the situation with the light rail in Sydney. For those of you who don't know, Angela's Cafe, the Vivo Cafe, is located right 
in the middle of the building works, which have been going on for far too long. And of course, uh, as a result, has seen the closure of many small businesses up and down George Street, Sydney. Now, you might ask yourself, why is this relevant to me? I, I run a small business, but I'm nowhere near a construction zone. But you have to think of the advocacy that Angela is supporting small businesses with. And that's what this Small Biz Matters Small Biz Party is all about, which is very exciting. Um, we've interviewed a number of guests tonight. I'm going to bring you across some of those interviews right now. In particular, those who have been advocating for small business for a long time. But I think Angela is in a prime position to speak on behalf of all of us. It's not just about the light rail project. There's obviously a lot of concern around uh, infrastructure projects around New South Wales and the impact that they have on small business. That is one of Angela's fortes. But she wants everyone to know that she can be reached, approached and spoken to in regards to any concerns that small business has. That's what this political party is all about. And um, we are excited at Small Biz Matters to, I guess, support it and also be a media partner for Angela and her team. If you want to find out more about Small Business Party, Angela is, of course, looking for volunteers in all areas. They're hoping to contest at both the state and the federal level. So it's, it's something that you'll care greatly about and you'd like to put in a couple of hours, um, maybe for some politics that actually means something, then do get in touch via the Small Business Party website. And um, we're very excited here to be at the launch down in George Street, Sydney. And let's hear from some of the special guests that have been here tonight. If you're listening to some of the background music, that is, I think, what the state government calls progress. But I think we've got someone with us, Prue McSween from Verve Communications, who is a great supporter of Angela tonight. You actually did the introductory speech. Why are you so passionate about supporting her and what she believes in with the Small Business Party? Angela is like a warrior, a champion of small business. You know, so many of us who run small businesses are so darn busy just trying to survive and keep our heads above water. We care so much. We get so angry. We get so upset and anxious. We have sleepless nights. We don't pay ourselves because we're worried about paying the staff. We have cash flow issues all the time. We have union problems. You name it, tied up in red tape. And this is a woman who gets it because she runs her own business and she can you can go to her with any problem you have. If you, if you don't know how to approach local council or government, state or federal. She can open doors. She can give you advice. She's a champion in the true world word and a warrior for people who have any issues at all when it comes to small business. And that's why I want to support her. It's a, it's a very good point you raised there, in fact, about the fact that we wear many, many hats and we don't have that representative community. Yes, there are fantastic chambers of commerce that do represent us in some extent, but what about that state and federal level? Is that where you envisage Angela's party going? Is that is that the bigger picture here? What I love is that what you see with Angela is what you get. She's not a normal, traditional politician that we have in federal and state politics in particular. She's a woman who really actually, um, you know, gets it. She tr speaks the truth 
truth. She's she, when she says something, she means it. She's not one of those politicians who stands up every election and says, "Oh, you know, small business matters. We're the backbone of the country." We all know that they do nothing. They're, if they can screw us down, they will, and they're doing it all the time. They don't champion us. They don't give us a break in any way. So we know that Angela, if she's there advocating for us in federal or state political arenas, she'll cut through. They'll have to listen to her because she's a small piece of work, but she's got a very loud voice and she has a legitimate voice and she represents so many people and their hopes and dreams. And tonight, of course, she is speaking about small business and representing them. The room was absolutely packed with people. Um, we have people from small businesses. Uh, we've got people from institutes and representative councils. Um, we've, in fact, got politicians in the room who are trying to support her as well. Uh, what is it that people can do to support the Small Business Party, apart from making themselves more aware? We're all small businesses. This is finally a champion of what we can get behind. What can people do to really get behind it? It's really important that we don't just get tied up in our day-to-day business runnings trying to keep our heads above water. We really need to firstly tell as many people about it and advocate for it, become champions of, of Angela's Small Business Party. She needs money. We need to make sure that we can get her in to the proper you know, parts of politics and she needs money to do that. She needs also people to sign up and become members of the party because if she doesn't have that she's not going to get into the government. So we need to be able to have us or a seat at the table of course. So we really need to make sure that people give their time, their name, their money and their mouthpiece to helping support the Small Business Party. I know I'm going to. Well as a small business owner I know I'm right there behind her as well. Thank you so much Prue for joining us today on Small Biz Matters. It's the half our program we hang on it's and welcome back to small biz matters we are live in the room of the small business party launch which is very exciting i have tim here from the real estate institute of new south wales thank you very much for joining us on the program tonight not a problem it is an exciting evening isn't it? you can see the vibe just the excitement floating around the room it's terrific and i think we've got a lot of small businesses here and advocates such as yourself who are really searching for uh, a beacon of light, which I think Angela is going to be for our small business community. What do you hope that she will be able to achieve for small businesses? It, I think it's a real anomaly that the, the small business community and also the industry I represent, the property industry, has no focus in government. So, so again, uh, the small business, of which a lot of my members, employ the vast majority of people um, in this state and, for that matter, in this country, and yet there is no there is no focus on them. And in the property industry, the amount of taxes the property industry um, pay and also, I guess, the, the, the size of that particular industry dwarfs the aggregate of all other industries. And yet, complete afterthought. I, I was in practice as a lawyer for um, many years and we used to have a saying that uh, all of our clients were equal, but some were more equal than others. And the ones that were more equal than the others were the ones that paid the, 
the big the big dollars, and um, and the property industry and small business pay the big dollars. I I also um, also give you another example where I think that it is necessary for representation of small business. I've got a friend of mine who's in a, a rather large business, and I was whinging to him about compliance about all the things you have to do and he looked at me blankly and said um, I've got a department that does that they they just take care of that and he said their KPIs are that nobody comes looking and knocking on our door and they just take care of it he said I've got a business to run I have to run this business I can't be getting messed around with all of that but small business has to be the HR manager the compliance manager the payroll officer they're, they're, and the amount of regulation and everything that they're they're caught up in is ridiculous and we and we just need to do something about it and my personal favorite payroll tax whoever came up with that seriously seriously you you open a business you provide employment and if you provide too much employment you get penalized yeah go figure sorry you said payroll tax I heard cash cow. Did, is that what you said? Yeah, could have. I mean, it's, it's, we have to raise taxes and, and we all accept that. We, we want our hospitals and our roads and our schools and I think all of us accept that. But it has to be, it has to be a fair tax. It has to be easy to administer. But punishing people for providing employment, I'm sorry, um, I just don't get that one. Well, it sounds to me like Angela's got her card full for the first 12 months. There's a lot of issues to deal with. Seems like she's going to be the only one dealing with them because we don't have a political party at the moment who actually represents small business. Would you, re- would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she's got a greenfield site here, as we say, in, uh, in the property industry. Um, but she, once the word gets out, there is no doubt that she is going to get an enormous amount of support. Um, she has, uh, has behind her, obviously, the small business community. And the property services industry has been screaming out for uh, some representation as well. So it's, a, it's the beginning of a lot of big things to come. Well, thanks for joining us today, Tim, from the Real Estate Institute of New South Wales. We look forward to hearing more from you on the program. You've been listening to Small Biz Matters, and we'll be back after this. That's right. You're back in the studio with Small Biz Matters. Just some of the fabulous guests that Angela Vitkoulis had at her Small Business Political Party launch back in June that I wanted to share with you. Pretty passionate people there talking about the hurdles and difficulties that small businesses face. Uh, Let's hope that a new political party will actually be able to make a difference. We're going to take a quick break here in the studio, listen to some community service announcements. And when we return, I have the woman herself. I have a friend of mine, Michelle, plus I have Angela speaking to me very excitedly on the evening and you can hear the passion in her voice. You're listening to Triple H. We'll be back after this. And you're back in the room with Triple H 100.1 FM. Live here in the studio is Alexi Boyd with Small Biz Matters. I'm going to go back into some of the interviews that I did at the Small Business Political Party launch back in June. And here we are speaking to one of our regular guests, Michelle and Angela herself. And we are back in the room with Small Biz Matters talking to one of the guests at the Small Business Party, which is very exciting, a new political party. Michelle is one of our regular guests on the show. Thanks for coming tonight, Michelle. Oh, thanks, Alexi. Nice to be here. Why is having a political party that represents small business so important? 
because who else is going to listen to small businesses? Yeah, there's a lot of us, but does anybody really listen? Oh, we've got to just say hello to this. Oh, no, no, no pies. Hang on, we're in the middle of an interview. Try again, try again. There are canopies, everybody. It's very exciting. So tell me, why is a political party so important for small business? Small businesses need a voice, and there's a lot of them. I mean, I represent 50 myself, and no, there's nobody there to listen to them, nobody there to talk to. They just talk to me. Who am I going to talk to? I need somebody to talk to at Small Business Party. Oh, my goodness. Angela's just walked in. Let's have a quick hello to Angela. Angela, you're on live on a Vox Pop with Small Biz Matters. A quick hello to our audience because I know you're very busy tonight. Congratulations on the launch. Thank you very much. It's, it's fantastic. I didn't expect so many to turn up on a wet night, but how lucky are we? And now, that's because you have worked so hard for this, for this strategy and for this. You represent all of us. There are so many people here who need you, and we are super excited. We're super excited to be representing you and the party, and it's going to be great. I can't wait to have you on the show so you can tell us all about it and all the plans that you have for a party that actually represents us. Yes. Tell, tell me one. Just give me one little sneak peek. What are you really going to hope to achieve in the first six months? Making sure that the whole of Australia knows that there is an advocate for small business there for them regardless of the fight, we're up for it, big or small. Damn straight. We, hope, we, we look forward to watching that fight, Angela. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's right, everyone. It was great to talk to Angela herself, who's very, very passionate. I think you could hear a little bit of the passion in my voice there as well. Uh, it was a great evening, uh, be surrounded by lots of well-connected, fantastic people who are equally excited about the launch of the Small Business Political Party. So at the risk of banging that drum a little bit too much, uh, it was a great night. It is uh, a real excitement for small business. I'm excited that we're going to have uh, some advocacy in the form of a political party as well. Now, let's do a, a quick check of this. Triple H weather report. That's right. Let's have a look at the weather. I can look outside the window and see that it's sunny. And unfortunately, the screen says the same. 21 degrees, mostly sunny tomorrow. 19 degrees, mostly sunny. 18, partly cloudy on Thursday. Friday, Saturday and Sunday are completely sunny as well. Looks like the next forecast for rain in Hornsby is all the way in Monday. So keep a keep a check on your gardens um, and keep using that uh, line drying mechanism rather than your dryers, which I'm a big fan of, of course, as my regular listeners will know. Let's have a look at the traffic. It uh, doesn't look like there's anything problematic with Sydney's road on the north side. We've got Milsons Point, just some normal Carl Expressway uh, scheduled roadworks, but they are happening in the evenings, so nothing to worry about there. And of course, looking at the Transport for New South Wales website as well, it doesn't look like there's any issues with the trains, but of course, keep an eye on Sydney Transport website and the Live Traffic New South Wales if you're heading out on your journey. A quick check of what's happening on the small business, small business matters calendar, I should say. Uh, we've got next Tuesday, the first Tuesday of the month, of course, is the local Hornsby Chamber of Commerce networking night, business after hours evening, which we have on a regular basis. And uh, I'm just going to refresh my screen to bring up August. And that is on business after hours. And that will be at... Actually, where is that going to be? I haven't checked that. I have to put that in onto my onto my website. We will uh, update that so you can find out when that's happening. I did have a couple of queries about that on the Small Biz Matters Australia Facebook page yesterday, so we'll make sure we update that. The BX Networking Chatswood is having their morning networking uh, session at 8am tomorrow morning in the Chatswood area. Home-based business network, Wednesday, 7am, a business breakfast. And, of course, Wednesday the 8th, 
of August is the monthly admin hubs. That is going to be the second Wednesday of every month, a meeting with your back end, the opportunity to use a co-working space, get together with other small businesses and simply get your admin done. It's no rocket science. It's just a free opportunity to get together and work in a collaborative environment. So that's the second Wednesday of every month up at Event Cinemas Conference Room Level 2. Thank you very much to Event Cinemas for offering that to us pro bono, as well as uh, some free Wi-Fi from Hornsby Telstra as well. Um, I'll also let you know about the Building Business Group, of course, which is on Thursday morning. That's at 6.45am at the Kalara Golf Club. So there's lots of things going on in the Small Biz Matters calendar. If you want to check out what's happening in your area, then find us at smallbizmatters.com.au. Click on the event calendar and you can see all those fabulous pop-ups with all the events that are going on. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's going on on the podcast and also in the calendar, then make sure you subscribe subscribe to our newsletter. You can find that, of course, on the website and just subscribe and we'll make sure that we get that information out to you. Uh, Also, just to make you aware, there's been, as you know, some really fantastic guests over the last few weeks that we've had, almost a guest every single week. And we, of course, have Erica Armstrong joining us in the studio probably in the next 10 minutes or so, who's going to be talking to us about her journey with relation to her tattooing business and the compliance and the hoops and the hurdles that she has to go over just simply to keep her business afloat. It's much worse than what would the rest of us have to go through, believe me. We've also got a podcast from the lovely Ben Eatwell who came last week on from WePloy. WePloy, of course, are a gig economy uh, company who supply small, medium, large businesses with administrative staff um, and support staff. Uh, they're sort of turning the, I guess they're, I guess they're being a bit disruptive in the recruitment economy. It was quite interesting chat to him last week. He was helping us a lot with the problems that typically businesses face when they are employing staff beyond the, of course, the cost of wages, etc., but also the problems and the hurdles you need to be aware of when you're taking staff on for the first time. We also had before that uh, the lovely Melinda Livingston talking to us about the gig economy. She being an expert with her website Income Connection meant that we were talking about all the different types of the gig economy and how small businesses can tap into it. It's not something to be scared of or fearful of, or a competitor that is going to take your business out, but rather something that you can tap into and really use as a resource. Melinda's website, Income Connection, has uh, a listing of all sorts of things that you can share. And we're not just talking about people or Airtasker or Weeploy, but actually things like sharing a desk, sharing perhaps a member of staff, perhaps you've got some uh, a staff member that you don't use five days a week and you can maybe outsource that person. What about a spare desk in your office that you'd like to outsource? A meeting room, for example. Um, Perhaps, you know, the whole tools of trade that you might have lying around in your backyard that can be used. Caravans, that's another one that people are beginning to share. So there's much more to the sharing economy than simply... um, uh, I was listening to uh, another radio station this morning and they were talking about the sharing economy just being Uber. I mean... An air tasker. I'm sure it's moved beyond that. It's been a couple of years since Uber launched and it's more than just Uber now. So that was a bit sort of narrow-minded in my opinion. We also had um, Matt Koopmans coming on the week before that talking about uh, the air app journey and the, some of the traps that you need to be aware of when thinking about implementing new apps into your business, the best ways to go about it, some good strategies for implementing apps, particularly if you've got a number of staff and you're looking to solve a problem of communication or project management, 
best not to dive down into several different options and test out lots of different things at once. For example, Matt had some great advice of really doing your research and perhaps doing some beta testing for a particular app before you uh, launch in and spend a lot of money and a lot of time getting it up and running. And then, of course, the week before that, uh, we had um, identifying, uh, sorry, identifying phases in the life cycle of your businesses and some of the problems you may experience in those different phases. We had an expert uh, who was previously an auditor coming to tell us about what he typically sees as issues, Salman Khan, he had really good, some really good business advice about the typical mistakes he sees businesses make at the various stages of running a business. So as you can see, there's lots of blogs and podcasts available to you on uh, Small Biz Matters. We are looking to get those onto a better podcasting platform. So watch this space. But in the meantime, feel free to join our website and uh, have a listen to some of those because there is a huge amount of knowledge coming out of our guests, which I'm very proud to say we are pleased to have here on the program. We might go to a song now and then when we return, uh, Erica Armstrong from Black Widow Tattoo will be joining us and telling her about her incredible, resilient small business journey. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. This is Small Biz Matters and Alexi Boyd. I'll be back after this. And you are live in the studio with Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. Bit of an interesting show today. We were talking a little bit before at the beginning of the program about the launch of the Small Business Political Party, which is very exciting news. Angela Vitkoulis, who is a Sydney of City councillor, has launched this great new political party and she's going to take it to the big boys. Now, Another person who's taking it to the big boys, which I'm very, very excited about having on the program today, is Erica Armstrong from Black Widow Tattoo and Custom in Hornsby. Welcome to the program, Erica. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. Now, I love having people who are as passionate about small business as I am and also who get as riled up about compliance. Now, I talk with my guests about how difficult it is and we have all this paperwork and stuff to do. And then I heard your story and I went, okay, I'm going to stop whinging now because (laughs) yours is remarkable and more remarkable about the fact that you've been through this incredible journey and and this crazy uh, situation that you're in simply just to run a small business in a, a particular arena. So we're going to talk a little bit about your journey in a second, but more you're passionate about it. You love taking it to the big boys and going, this has got to change. And, and that's, that's what I think is, um, is very exciting about your story. So tell me about your journey. How did you get so passionate about tattooing and, and why it is that you consider yourself to be an industry leader? All right. I, um, I have loved tattooing since uh, a young age um, for various different reasons. Um, I was uh, lucky to get into it um, after doing a car painting apprenticeship. Carpenting? Car painting. Oh, so car painting. Automotive refinishing, yeah. Wow. So you yeah. went from painting cars to painting people. Yeah, yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a long-winded story. But back in the day, it wasn't really acceptable in the tattoo industry for a young female. So my parents kind of steered me away to getting more of a legitimate um, job to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I it, had done my apprenticeship for the automotive refinishing, I was then allowed to go ahead and do tattooing if I wanted to pursue it, which I did. So this is the first hurdle you had to get over, the first group of people you had to prove yourself (laughs) with. Because you don't often hear about female tattoo artists and it's great. We've got some um, excellent programs on commercial television now which are really celebrating um, the the success of these female tattooists. But like any industry, it's like we have to fight twice as hard to be recognised. It's a a bit ridiculous. That's right. uh, Massive thanks to Kat Von D 
Melody from LA Inc. She opened it right up for all females across the world and really put it um, on the market that we are as equally as good as anybody and we love it just as much. We're very, very capable and there's some amazing female artists in Australia. So it's um, it's definitely awesome. So tell me about that journey that you went through, which you were talking about at a recent networking event that we met in, uh, which was... <laughs> quite <laughs> remarkable and the hurdles you've had to go through. So you began your journey up in the Central Coast, is that right? Well, actually, I came over from New Zealand. Um, I heard that Australia was implementing the regulations, which were basically trying to more professionalise the industry. Mm-hmm. And I really believe in that. Um, I did an apprenticeship at 17 years ago, and I think in this day and age, it should be more feasible for young ones. If they want to dream and be a tattoo artist, go for gold, it's awesome. So basically, I came over in uh, October uh, 2013 and I started um, over at Bondi and I... Is that the Bondi ink we see on the on the, new, on the shows? It is. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah so that's pretty amazing and um, yeah that's just like a crazy holiday place and it was an awesome experience working there. Ton of fun. Um, amazing literally. But um, all the licensing went in so from the get-go I had to have my application on all my licensing applied for so I wasn't able to start work until that that was all all ahead and all done and that was a first step of implementing the new regulations for the tattoo artist license and the operator license in New South Wales. So hang on you've already got your apprenticeship mm-hmm. so you've got your qualifications for want of a better word a trade qualification and experience Yeah. so now you go through the hurdles of licensing. Yeah, but see, see, because uh, the the apprenticeship isn't really formalised in any any way, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we'd like to see in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get anything other than in a, a, the portfolio of what you can or can't do. Yeah, like like know? a lot of other graphic design artists. But we're seeing graphic design in TAFE and all those other places that have got proper qualifications now. So let's start seeing it for. Hey, it'll be a great day that you can go and do a pathogen contamination course for tattooing at TAFE. Like open it up, but awesome. that makes perfect sense. Of course, yeah. it does, yeah. and then it opens up the industry for more qualified yeah. and and uh, and compliant people. Now, let's talk about that compliance yeah. thing because that's incredible. So you you're yeah, in Bondi so, Tattoo. You yeah. got your licensing. So, so look, I um, how long did that take? Um, it took about uh, six months to actually go through. There's a lot of tattoo artists. I don't think um, New South Wales Fair Trading understood the amount of tattoo artists there were <laughs> because we all had a, a bit of a backlog. But to cut a long story short, I'm a custom painter, tattoo artist, automotive refinisher and airbrush artist. So that I know that's that's the business. That's, that's what I want to do. And just working at a tattoo shop kind of didn't fulfill me. So mm. I ended up opening up a shop in Singleton. I picked Singleton because of the um, the size of the building. I had an eight-car garage and I had a, um, a two-level, so an area upstairs where I could live and then my shop downstairs, so it was perfect. And my rent was um, around something that you would just pay for a large house here in Sydney. So that's why Singleton was sort of like feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, in the car trade and what I can do, people will come for my work, so I figured that Singleton wouldn't be too bad mm. a location. I didn't think it was too far out out of Sydney for a travel distance for mm-hmm. for doing shows and being a part of um, everything that you need to be a part of in both the automotive refinishing, custom paint industries and tattoo industry. So um, 
Singleton it was. And I did a great year. I built the little business up. Uh, we ended up having a team of um, four to five. In less than a year? In, in the first year. That's fantastic. And um, I managed to take the time off and take them to the, the tattoo show just to give them give them an experience of where I wanted to grow the shop, where we were going. And you meet awesome people in both industries, talented artists, and you rub shoulders with some great people. And they are your positive influences. Like they end up being the people who you strive to be like. You see the different work aspects and scenarios and really every avenue for all the genres are, are awesome. Um, but basically, I came back from the, the show. We had a great time. We had a, a, the next year direction forward to be bigger and better and a bigger presence at the show. It was really just a small scale in 2016. That Monday, um, I came back to be uh, basically audited by the police and be shut down. Sorry, wait, wait, wait. Just, 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 uh, wait. <laughs> just rewind a second. You've mm. got a thriving business mm. in uh, what is essentially a, a well, I wouldn't say it's a country town, but it's a, it's a, it's an, a metropo- metropolis that needs to grow. So you're part of that. You're yeah. hiring four people. Yep, and I'm the I'm the first person to actually have my team on wages. Uh, most artists work on contractors. Mm. I want to see this this the whole tattoo industry go. I really believe. Um, CVs, resumes, applying for for tattoo artist applications, being offered a reasonable, tangible artist package packages, um, basically identifying that um, your artists are what make your business. So look after them, okay? Uh, give them something that's more tangible. So in this day and age, working as a contractor, it is quite hard. You know, it's hard to go to the bank and say, you know what, I I want to deposit for a yeah, house or something because like I haven't that. got any regular you know? income. Yeah. So I was like, you know, let's 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 do this for the long haul. Let's set set up, you know, a tangible package for my crew, for my team, and um, I wanted them there long term. And um, but and your business was successful enough that you could do that. And that, yeah. for me, with my experience of talking to all these small business owners, it takes a good few years, particularly when you've got shop front, you've got retail mm-hmm. space, you've got rent to get yourself into a position where you can start employing people. Yeah. You had done it within twelve months, where you've got. You're employing local people, and I presume you're you're hiring people who yeah locally m- might yeah. otherwise not have easily found work. Am I am I am I too obtuse no. in saying that? Is that would that be right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It is is hard, especially in the country towns. Mm. There isn't really a huge demand for for tattooers, whereas down in Sydney, there's different shops. So if you decide that you you want to uh, maybe pursue a career, there is more avenues or or scope. Yeah, down, down exactly. It's always away with lots yeah. of industries. So. You rock up uh, Monday morning, you arrive, and the police have arrived literally to shut you down. Yeah, they'd, they'd notified the team first. So we went to the show, the 2016, and had Black Widow down at the show. Um, it was really, really hard opening up. Uh, there's a lot of anomalies, which I'll talk about in a minute, before opening, which definitely was hard prior to opening the shop. There's a lot to get through. Mm. And it's really, really hard because the... The, the idea of making it more obtainable for a small business to basically clean up the industry, which is what the regulations are about, mm-hmm. what's in place at the moment makes it extremely difficult for anyone in small business who's a legitimate entity on, in, on their own to open up. So we'll, we'll go through that in a little bit more detail. So what happened, what happened when the police arrived on that Monday morning? Um, I was just given... Um, uh, notification that I wasn't operate. I wasn't actually even given any paperwork, and I kind of do as I'm told 
here in a new country, you you dot your eyes and you cross your t's. You, um, I every step of the way have been liaising with New South Wales Fair Trading, with even the most minuscule to make sure that what I'm doing is absolutely correct. Mm. That I'm not going to be putting a foot wrong because I don't want to lose my shop, and it's it's pretty much everything I have. So. Um, I was really surprised to see that. I thought that um, we were just on the second year of just about to fly. And all the artists that I had in place, we all had their licensing and everything. We'd all done everything by the book as far as New South Wales Fair Trading and and SLED, the Security Licence Enforcement Division here in New South Wales. So the last person I expected to see were the um, the police to, to basically shut down. And they just said I was. I had to cease. I had to contact New South Wales Fair Trading and cease trading. And because there's two aspects to my business, see, I can do custom paint as well as um, uh, airbrushing, and there is no licensing for that. So I asked whether or not I could still pursue that because mm. they said, you know, you can't even have your open signs out. And um, I was just like a bit nervous. So it wasn't necessarily just performing tattoos or taking a fee. Or, how, or, or payment, however the wording is deemed, um, I was actually told that I couldn't trade doing any car painting. And then even the next day, uh, there was police parked over the other side, and I've got video footage of them to make sure that I didn't open. And I just couldn't understand, and I didn't have the right paperwork as to what was going on. But and what was the reason? There was no reason given. Have you Did, did the shop reopen? Uh, yeah, so I had to. Um, so basically, I couldn't operate without my operator license. My operator license was was stripped. Suspended. Yeah, um, I I took it to um, Singleton Business Chamber, the federal MP, the local MP, the police ombudsman, my business lawyer, my accountant, New South Wales Business Chamber, the Law Society Referral Service, Australian Community Media, Fairfax Media, Australia Business, New South Wales Fair Trading, SLED Security. Licence Enforcement Division, ASIC, ATO, Australia Tattoo Guild, the Hon, Dominic, My God, Francis. you don't do things by halves, do no, you? No, the MP Minister of Finance. And um, I was reinstated, but uh, two and a half months too late. Did, did they ever give you a reason? Um, they basically said that the operator licence was still coming through after 13 months. Um, I have the paperwork given the go-ahead to operate with the payments paid from New South Wales Fair Trading, um, Peter, Peter Flamity. Um, then they said that a cheque went missing for one of the artists. And I said, but hold on a minute, this was done nine months ago. I had a track and trace, so they received, and I could prove that they received it. And then I could prove that it was a bank issue payment to New South Wales Fair Trading and that they'd cleared the funds, so I got that as well. So it seemed to be a little bit of a loophole. And you know what, if I didn't take it to everyone, I wouldn't have been reinstated my licence. But you lost two and a half months of income, and not only you, but your staff. No, I didn't just lose that. I lost my car. I lost my business premise. I lost assets that I paid for. I had to come back to work. It took over uh, a year, and still I'm not on top of my tax today because I'm still taxed through the ATO for that time frame, and uh, ASIC still doesn't, doesn't help. And that's my point that I want to make today is, you know what, there is a lot of red tape. People do want to comply with it. They want to do right by what is within their perimeters of their small business. But where do you go to in Australia where where things don't quite run as smooth as they should? You know, especially when it, when it considers small economy, small business, New South Wales, um, people's livelihoods, your own livelihood, but your staff as well. 
Yeah, because that's what we're, we're talking about. So many times we are considering our families and our staff well above ourselves. Yeah. So many people don't pay themselves a wage, but they but make sure that they're compliant with else. everybody else. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think yours is a really interesting story in, in terms of what you had to go through. And you're absolutely right. There is no specific body. You've, you've approached all these people. And if I brainstormed it, that's exactly what I would be thinking of as well. You're not a wilting flower. You're not someone who just stumbled into this Mm -mm. occupation because it vaguely interested you and then you learnt what you had to do along the way. You did your homework. It's my 25-year career. I want a great team. I want to pass my skills down and I've had a great life and I've had some awesome experiences. And I think you get to a stage where why can't you pass it on? Why can't you give other people an opportunity to have those too? Well, this to me just sounds like blatant discrimination against a particular industry. Full stop. End of story, because if you are compliant, you're doing all the right things, you're licensing yourself correctly, Mm -hmm. uh, you are paying your staff correctly. They obviously probably went through that with a fine tooth comb, I imagine, and they couldn't find any faults with that. No, I've been 100% transparent, you know, and um, there's a lot of ways to run a tattoo shop and I pride myself that anybody can come into my shop at any time and see that I run things 100%, not only transparent for myself, for my staff, um, for my customers, mm, you know, so at the end of, of the day, you ha- can have a service expectation from me and my crew. So talking about the, uh, the, the support staff, the support people that you had, you mentioned that you had, did you have a good legal team and a good accountant as well? Yeah. Who would you say in this position, worst case scenario for anybody experiencing this out there, how can they learn from this? What, do, what What's that one person that you need to make sure you've got on your side? You, you know what, um, the business chamber. That really? really came through for me. And I think if the business chamber could basically have more pull to basically step in and say, look, this person is doing this, this and this correctly, it really is just an area where maybe the regulation is at fault here. Let her just trade and carry on. If they had more pull, more power, more step in, mm. more basically, I think that they would be the people to go to rather than all the areas because New South Wales Fair Trading passed the buck over to Security Licence Enforcement Division. Security Licence Enforcement Division don't even take your calls to the public. Now, they're, you're paying them, so basically they're providing a service to you. Mm. You're their customer. Mm. They don't even take your call, and when they do, you are the way you're treated is just is just is not even worth mentioning like it really is like security license enforcement division maybe need some um, avenues on people skills there well maybe that's um, something we could be calling for yeah. today maybe that's i mean you're obviously not the only industry that has to adhere to their requirements and their and their yeah. compliances so maybe yeah. that's something that we're calling for today yeah i i reached out to the ato i was disappointed they were only interested in in the funds that they were receiving they're not interested in in helping a, a remedial solution um, the Law Society, they referred me. It's difficult with whom is accountable. Your lawyers can only do something when a party is accountable. And the thing is, is no one takes responsibility for the deliverable. Um, however, um, I find that the regulatory systems over here in New South Wales, they're too quick to hand out an $11,000 fine or a $22,000 fine, which is what we're liable. But we're also liable for um, not receiving an operator license again. So once it's stripped, you would need to go to court and then reapply it. Your tattooers can have their licenses stripped as well. Then you have to reapply for their licenses. And my point is, is if this regulation is in place to clean up the industry... What small singular person who wants to have their own tattoo shop 
do right by their community, provide sterilised services to the best of their ability with their team and and pay a $22,000 fine or face a, a, a stripping. So there is a big underlying agenda here. I'm not 100% sure what it is, but I do think that the um, regulation, the red tape systems need to be accountable um, with a time frame too that is a, a accountable because a 13-month or 9-month deliverable, deliverable date on a licence is not good enough. No, absolutely not, not because you can't trade and, and like you said, no. if, if your licences are stripped from your staff as well, that, that means they, I assume that means that they can't work elsewhere. Well, not only that, can they not work elsewhere, but um, the person who who's owns the business is still paying the lease. You're still paying for your shop fit out. Yeah. You've still paid for your DA. You have to implement a surveillance system, which is mandatory by New South Wales Police, for them to access um, within a 30-day period. Um, all your insurance liabilities and indemnity needs to be done as well, and that continues. So you have all your operational overheads. But also, one thing that's a bit of a problem at the moment that I did want to address is the um, when you apply or you find a premise to lease, the premise insurance goes up by harbouring a tattoo artist. So there's, um, there's a, a couple of little areas there that really do need ironing out in the industry. So if that wasn't there, then obviously tattoo artists could would find it easier to find premises because yeah. there's not that extra hurdle that the yeah. landlord needs to go over. I, I was turned down three to four premises that wouldn't even harbour or look at having a tattoo artist in the shop. Didn't matter that I had a professional shop, that I had everything in place, that I had, it is my 25-year career, that I, I am on the right side of the line and that I will cut away anybody who will actually um, compromise my licence in any way, shape mm. or form. Mm. You know, that I am going to do the right thing and I'm going to train and teach my team to do the right thing as well. So um, it really, really was a difficult scenario. And again, for someone who wants to get into uh, the tattoo industry, which is really, it, it's the best industry at this stage to be in. It's the 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 most um, niche popular it has ever been in the entire world. Um, even in India, it's uh, it, it's become popular over the last nine years. You know, even places where tattoos are shunned upon it's it's only going to get bigger and better yeah because so, we're talking about real acceptance of it as a life well, i'm going to say lifestyle that's not the right word but just as a choice it's it's more acceptable and people are excited about it and mm. if that's what you want to do then you want to be able to go to places that are well run maintained safe secure and all those other things yeah. and it seems to me as though they're few and far between because of the regulations that you need to go through which are over and above what the rest of us have to put up with as small businesses. Now, you mentioned the good that tattoos do as well, as well as the fabulous lifestyle, fun, <laughs> painting your body thing. Yeah. There's actually a really important aspect to tattooing that, that I want you to take me through that we talked about on the phone, which you're equally as passionate about. Mm. And that's about um, helping people who have gone through uh, depression and um, scarring yeah. uh, to fix that and make them more acceptable society again. T tell me about that yeah, that's aspect. Right. So, um, Tata, we, we get all walks of life that come in. Um, uh, some people that have uh, been through areas where they, they may have had a divorce, a breakup, um, a, a lost partner, a lost family member, they do commemorative tattoos. Um, I'm finding uh, over the last five years, and I've never had to consider this, I do a lot of big comprehensive pieces. I work with a lot of scar cover, a lot of um, 
uh, stretch marks, um, uh, um, basically surgical stars. We can we can cover it completely. What you can do today is pretty amazing within the tattooing realms. Um, I'm finding over the last five years, a lot of the young ones are coming in, and we're the last port of call. It means that they would have tried to source basically visual help from a plastic surgeon. They would have um, possibly... Uh, uh, tried avenues of uh, steroid injections to make their own personal harm scarring less evasive. So we're coming up with concept designs that we have to put together that don't just um, meet the requirements, design requirements of what the person might like, the genres that the person might like, but we're actually having to consider self-harm scarring, the keloid scarring, the type of scarring that it is, the type of skin that they have, and come up with a game plan. And sadly, these guys are under 20. So we want something that's less evasive, that they can be proud of, um, that makes them they're happy about more happy about their appearance. But they can go um, go forth and basically be a part of society, which includes getting a job, um, getting training, and not having t- too hard evasive work mm. on on key crucial areas like their forearms, their legs, etc. I was talking yeah. to a couple of people who are quite high up in the business community. They're basically CEOs of Mac, Mac big companies, and I said to them after we had our conversation, "Would you more likely hire someone who has forearm tattoos or someone who's got?" scarring that is clearly from self-harm and they said in an instant I hate to say it Mm. I I hate to admit it but of course I would hire someone I'm going to question that person who has the self-harm scarring I'm not going to question someone who has the tattoo tattoo. because in your mind you're going oh can't discriminate can't discriminate and this is this is a lifestyle choice but you see the scarring and although you shouldn't in your mind say I can't discriminate you do do. and and Mm. I think that's that's sort of sadly it's a natural response but how wonderful that you are reinvigorating not only these these young people's self-confidence, but also their careers. Oh, look, it is, it's really, really great to see. Um, there's two aspects. Um, I, I kind of wanted to talk about to create awareness because I've, I chat around with a few of my industry peers and we're like, you know what, we never really had to consider doing concept designs for, for people. So there is a shift in paradigm in, in society today um, where the young ones are going through something that I, I possibly don't understand. But we get... Um, I personally get a lot of uh, scar cover cover-ups and I've taken taken a, a couple of young girls now through the process where I've worked with them, we've designed their tattoo, um, we've started the process. Um, one lady even came down to the tattoo show. She had a last session at the show, so um, I know. She How got, brave! When she first came in, um, she was in, in tracky dackies, wasn't really uh, that sort of uh, uh, bubbly, and was a little bit internalised. And by the, her last session, which she finished off, which I offered if she wanted to do at the tattoo show, her boyfriend actually came up to me and gave me a massive hug. I nearly cried, and she he just said thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And she was rocking an awesome little skirt. Her tattoo looked great, and um, she had a she had a past, and it was the past. You know, it wasn't something that people would see that first and foremost and talk about it. They actually saw her 
tattoo and we'll talk about that first so that was really awesome that's absolutely fantastic what a difference you would have made to that young girl's life yeah Uh, we're just going to take a quick break here on small biz matters and uh, listen to some community service announcements and when we come back um just on that note i want you to talk to me about what you'd like to change in terms of the health service as well this is awesome you're listening to triple h small biz matters we'll be back after this And welcome back to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. You are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM live in the studio, which with one of my probably more... Oh, sorry, squeaky squeaky mic. Uh, my more fascinating guests, I would have to say. Um, Erica Armstrong is here from Black Widow Tattoo here in Hornsby. We're very lucky to have her after her amazing small business journey. If you've missed any of today's program, uh, this, I would have to say, is one of the most interesting programs I've had in quite a number of months. Please listen through our blogs and podcast page. The podcast will be available in the next week or so, and I'll put it up on the Facebook page, Small Biz Matters Australia, to let you all know when it is, of course, and, of course, on LinkedIn as well. So just before the break, uh, Erica was sharing with us her journey, not just about a small business owner, but also the role that she plays in supporting young people with self-harm scarring, uh, helping bring them back into society, back into work, back into confidence, because it stops being about the scarring and starts being about the piece of art that has yes. essentially taken its place. And I, I think that's really important because at the moment they're going to receive um, uh, various avenues for support groups and help but the thing is is they do relapse because the reminder is constantly there of what they did to themselves so they may go through a, a, a remedial avenue mm. and 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 come Perhaps. out feeling a lot positive but then when they do have a little bit of a, a downtime straight away they've got constant reminders so we are finding in the tattoo industry that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of families are coming to us for uh, um, self-harm scar cover remedial solutions and we we love it like we can provide a lot of awesome options whether you want bright color less evasive um, we can work it it does take a lot more time but this is an artistic uh, this is an artwork that you clearly work with the client to make into something that they love and represents who they are yeah. I don't know just from a logical point of view they're less likely to damage that art are they not yeah, so not only do they not damage the art... Um, they don't damage themselves. No, but they feel better about themselves. Yeah. That's the whole thing is it's yeah. not the constant reminder. Mm. And when they go out for a drink or they extend their arm to shake someone's hand, it's not the scars that they're seeing. It's, hey, ch- hey, check that out. And then straight away, like, for example, my I've got my chihuahua on my arm. So straight away, if I shake someone's hand, it's like... Oh, you've got a chihuahua. <laughs> you know, it's the first thing that you talk yeah, about. Yeah. So yeah, so definitely. And that's that's kind of what I wanna encourage maybe young ones to to seek more help about or what I would like to see is um if there there's government funded um counselling systems, etc., it would be really, really good because with when we do self harm scars, tattoo artists and I find myself at this crossroads all the time. I want to help these young ones. I sympathise with with the parents. You can see the parents are at breaking point. They are just literally don't know how to help their child anymore. And there obviously is is that a little bit of a barrier, you know, where the child might not accept help from the parent because it is a parent type thing. So, um, and nine times... Out of nine times out of ten, there's a massive financial cost too. So you've got your financial costs that come around with um, 
with the care factor for the scarring but then you've got the costs that are involved with covering the scar up and it is a lot harder than a basic tattoo we've got at least two three four five to six hours depending on the size depending on the density of the scar the keloid mm. um, and the skin type and what we need to do and we need to basically create something that ticks the boxes that meets the customer requirements that actually incorporates the things that in, that they love so it's definitely meaningful to them and then come up with a a, a solution or a tattoo solution that will will cover their their tissue. Um, so, if you had a wish list, yeah, where the tattoo industry could fulfil this role in a health capacity, what mm. would you love to see happen and change within the health industry and those regulations to allow that Medicaid, collaboration? Yeah, Medicare government funding, so someone could come in and get at least half half of it back, and then the, the business goes back. It doesn't hurt the tattoos. Tattoos uh, economy. Um, there is a lot of tattoo shops. Uh, for example, the, um, the 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 tattoo show, the massive Sydney Tattoo Expo that happens in March. I think they had like fifty thousand people through that weekend. So there is a huge demand for tattoos, and it is economy. You know, so it's small business and it is economy. So if we had something like a system like Medicare, where we could provide that special services, it would create more work, more feasible work for tattooing. There's great artists here in New South Wales. You've got to be proud of them. They can definitely help. And there's um, a ton of artists out there that that can definitely help and do that. So it would create more work, but also it would create um, a financially tangible um, uh, service received by the the people that are carrying around self-harm scars, which potentially are young ones that don't have three to four thousand dollars which is essentially what it takes to get Mm. a good cover-up done so you could see the collaboration between perhaps child psychologists and psychiatrists and the local health area health working together to this as a solution and and i see that marry up of the tattoo industry and the health industry a massive positive for, for both arenas at the risk of saying more regulation would you say that it would be best if only certain you know, licensed for this sort of work, oh, tattoo look, parlors would it, need to. Yeah, I hate to no, put another no, level no, of compliance no. in there. There's, um, there's no, there's no unlicensed tattoo shops now in New South Wales. They're pretty much um, going through the whole system with a fine tooth comb. I'm pro regulation. I just would like to see it more feasible for mm. these small business, so that the, so your town does have two to three small tattoo shops, like barber shops or hair salons. You know, where it really is. You know, uh, you pass it down in your family. You know, you train up the next generation, and just really just just be a part of it all. Um, I think working together with something like that. Um, I hope that there is schools like tattoo schools like TAFE. Um, be great to see a local. Dave Hornsby pathogen contamination course. Come on, you know. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be super cool. Um, really get the young ones involved because it is about your future generation and and just make it work across the board. Regulations there, it has to be there. And I am pro-regulations because accountability, service providing and service deliverable is, is a must. So I think you've covered this, but in a nutshell, why is it that you're so passionate about this industry? Because it's awesome. <laughs> no, um, I go home. I go home happy every day. Um, whether I do a small tattoo, whether I do a big scar cover up, whether I do a sleeve, a leg sleeve, a portrait, um, it doesn't matter 
when that customer's happy and everyone has to work, you go to work no matter what. So when you go home happy and, and someone is wrapped, absolutely to bees knees wrapped with what you've done, there is not a better feeling. There is not a better feeling in the world than that. There's no drug on this planet that can give you that feeling. <laughs> and it is amazing. And you know what? I love my job. I love my career. And it's my life. It's my entire lifestyle. Well, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show, Erica. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your passion about your industry, your belief in where it needs to go, and and just a little bit about your advocacy and the journey that you've been on to try and help other business owners just like yourself. It's been an awesome program. I'm totally inspired. Um, I think we need to get some local MPs in here to answer some of the questions that you've asked. Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah, I would definitely like because, that. Because uh, they I, are. Can I come and ask yeah, yeah. Some <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll build a little brick wall between. Yeah. Uh, but no, thank you very much for coming on the program and it's wonderful to have someone so passionate about what they do mm-hmm. so you've been listening to small biz matters once again if you've just tuned in it's been an awesome show you can catch it on our blogs and podcast page on smallbizmatters.com.au and if you yourself have a piece of expertise that you'd like to share with our listeners and you think would be of benefit to small business owners out there get in touch with us via the small biz matters website or Facebook page or whatever it is that you'd like to do and make sure you follow us too so you can find out when these podcasts become available to listen. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back next week on Small Biz Matters, the half hour program where you work on your business rather than in it.